you can't critique anything. You have to be very careful with what you say. You can't name any names, you know? So why can't we have real conversations? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 343 Podcast. We've been on hiatus for a little while, but listen, here we go. We're starting up again. We're not going anywhere. We started this whole 343 thing back in 2009. It's not shutting down. Don't you fret one second. This is Gary. I don't like being in the limelight, so I'd like to uh, usually just write uh, and post articles or maybe, you know, work in the space that is soccer behind the scenes. I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like uh, being on video. I don't like any of that sort of stuff. But lo and behold, here I am. Nice little experiment that I'm conducting. And we had an Olympic qualifying disaster uh, a couple days ago. It can't just be swept under the rug. I felt compelled to record something and release something because there are lessons to be learned here no matter where you lie within the American soccer community, be it a coach, a fan, a player, a family, a parent, a media reporter, you name it, front office executive, all of it. We have to talk about this. And the discussions that are out there usually are unsatisfactory to me. Usually they're missing uh, some of the most important elements in them. Usually we're pointing fingers at superficial things instead of digging a little bit deeper. And that's always been the aim of this little corner of the soccer community that is 343. So without further ado, what you're going to listen to next is just a conversation that I had with Nick Rogers through our Instagram live, which happened to have been recorded. Keep in mind, it was a stream of consciousness. There, it was not prepared, not scripted. There was no premeditated anything, just straight up free flow. So, yes, it's not all-encompassing. And yes, things could be said better, cleaner, simpler, uh, things of that nature. And that, you know what? I will take up that challenge and at some point release episodes and release uh, things out there that are nice and tight. Okay, but I think there's value in stream of consciousness as well. So without further ado, that's the next episode. Let me know what you think. Before we get started, really quick, if you were to go to 343coaching.com, our coaching methodology is all there. Takes you as a coach from U9 all the way up to and including professionals. It's from our direct experience, Brian's direct experience. You get to see the actual training sessions of the guy who did it. And then if you're a parent or a family and you want to better navigate American soccer for your kid, we have 343masterclass.com for you. Pushing that aside, let's get going. What some may say a sad day in uh, American soccer history yesterday, I want to get Gary's recap on it. So let's plug him in. Gary, how are we feeling today? Uh, you know, still processing what happened yesterday. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling good. Sunny Southern California where we're starting to get close to breaking 90 degree weather. Oof, I love it. Palm trees, baby. Sunshine. So let of course, we're going to dive into the, the hot topic of U.S. again out of the Olympics. Uh, Honduras took our money, knocked us out. We are not going to the Olympics again. 
so my question to you, Gary, how big of a failure is this? Um, it's as big as it gets. You know, uh, this is this is a real tournament. We're talking about the Olympics, okay? The Olympics is, uh, you know, the some of the. I mean, you can say it's the pinnacle of sport as well. You know, it, do, it doesn't just have to be a domestic league yeah. or or an international uh, sort of thing like the Champions League or whatever. The, it's the Olympics, guys. Okay, and it's so important that Neymar, who was an overage player he didn't care. He wanted to go to the Olympics because he wanted to win the gold medal. That's what ended up happening. He's like, I'm going to be part of Brazil uh, and and try to win the Olympics. It's a big fucking deal. So not only just from that perspective, but again, the more we play, the more tournaments we've got, the the larger pool of players that we can continually have close uh, coverage on in, in our national team program for our technical staff and for the entire program, the better. Okay. So to paint this as anything that's minor and we shouldn't really worry too much about it is not the right approach. Um, and you know how I harp on this all the time, but I'm being sincere here. You are part of the problem. If you're kind of like brushing this off and you're like, ah, it's just the Olympics. It's not, I don't know. I mean, what is the gold cup more important than the Olympics? Like, give me a break guys. Yeah. We're really missing out. Like you said, on our opportunity to play against some of the best teams in the world. And so it doesn't matter. And, and And it's an opportunity for us to like take out the microscope again and start investigating what the hell is wrong with our country's soccer. Yeah. If we miss it one time. Okay. I, I, I see that there was problems missing it twice. Hey, man, unacceptable. Missing it three times. If we're not looking deep to find out these problems, then I don't know what we're doing. We're wasting our time here. So uh, this first or second user question, excuse me, comes from under uh, KMAC underscore 17. His question, who should be held accountable for the U.S. failing to qualify for the Olympics? Is there one person? I mean, so, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. That's a tough question. So here's the problem, okay? The problem is we're always asking that question. Yeah. And I think it's the wrong question because when you say who, you're talking about one person or maybe even a few people. Um, and that doesn't get to the source of it all. Yeah. Okay? So this is always the issue with the general public and the media. It's like, oh, okay, who can we blame? Do we blame the coach? The coach is the easy scapegoat. Of course. Because- I mean, the coach, okay, well, we fire the coach. All right, well, I guess problem solved, right? Because that was the problem. The coach is the problem. But guys, look at our history. It has nothing to do with the coach. Yes, you can hire Marcelo Bielsa. Yes, you can hire one of these elite top-level managers who know better how to identify certain types of players, who know better how to implement uh, uh, a winning style of play, a good style of play, who know better you know, how to win. Um, and you might get better results, but again, it does not get to the source of the problem because once Bielsa leaves or Tata Martino leaves or somebody like this leaves, you are back with the same crap that you had before. So do we really want to solve the crap or do we want to continue scapegoating just an individual or two or five individuals and keep going round and round this hamster wheel forever because this this will never end yeah unless we start really peeling the layers of the onion and seeing where is the rotten core here so who's to blame listen you can't blame jason christ 
somebody hired Jason Christ. And then somebody hired the people who hired Jason Christ. Okay. Yep. And then why did those people hire the people who hired Jason Christ? Why? That is where you have to start really digging and investigating. It's not the technical staff most of the time. Most of the time, it's the rule makers, right? The bureaucrats, the politicians, the guys who are sitting behind a desk who really don't have, uh, you know, don't show their face to the public so that they're not culpable or accountable for anything. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just behind the desk here. You know, it's the technical guys who are making the decision, but no, that that's not the case. So it's about time we stop having these lame ass discussions about one individual or two or five individuals and start digging deeper. Especially when it's happened over a span of multiple years. It's not just a one year problem. Yeah. Listen, and I'm going to go off right now. People want to say, oh, well, Jason Christ picks the team and it's the team, the players. who ultimately Okay. Listen, there's some validity to that, but here's the problem. Don't, Come fucking tell me, oh, if only Atlanta United had re- had released Miles Robinson and George Bello or whatever, and you know things would have been different. No fucking chance. Okay, <laughs> these are the same caliber players as we have. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but Gary, this was you know this wasn't even our B team. You know this is our our fourth uh, choice team, like our D team. Stop. You don't get. You're not. You're not listening. You don't get it. Okay. The B team, the C team, the D team, the F team, the Z team, they're all pretty much the same, okay? They're all pretty much the same. Now, listen, yes, if you pick and choose and pluck certain players from all of those teams and maybe bring them together, you can have a team that's greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Fine, but I see these, I see these images that people publish on social media with their best 11. This is the best 11 right now. And here's the B team, best 11. Here's the C team, best 11. Here's the F team, best 11. And you look across the board and yes, the A team is significantly better. Okay. There, there's a bump there. Okay. But for, I'm going to repeat it again from B to F. It's the same goddamn thing. You can play those teams against each other and it's a crapshoot who wins and who doesn't win. There is no significant one sigma, two sigma, three sigma difference between the B team and the F team. So just stop. Would it be fair to say that any of our teams, A through Z, should have beaten Honduras? Well, I think our A team would have beaten them. Yeah, the the one that everybody the one that everybody thinks, oh my God, we're a competitor for the World Cup trophy, and you know we got these players on Champions League clubs. Great. All these things are great. Yes, they are. Sig- that squad is significantly better than, say, the B team. And yes, that team should have been able to handle Honduras pretty well. Okay, um, but so should have this team um, in, in many respects. But we're, we're, we just keep making excuses. We keep pointing at players. We keep saying, "Oh, well, if." At Bobasi, you know, was was our number nine striker. You know, oh my God, you know, things would have been different. Stop, just stop. Okay, if Bobasi had been there, or if Miles Robinson had been there, <laughs> and this happens, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I thought Bobasi was better than this. You know what happened? You know, oh, I thought Miles Robinson was better than this. You know what happened? We should have had uh, Sebastian Soto, who's in Europe. You know, or we should have had. Um, 
Jesus Ferreira. The, the script would have been flipped. Now all of a sudden we'd be critiquing the players that <laughs> did get called up. True. I've seen this. Nick, it's just that I've seen this story for years. Yeah. The story never changes. We have failure and then the excuses come in. They're all the same excuse. It's all the same. That's tough. It's tough. Let's go to uh, David's question here. 337 underscore David. Uh, how can people blame the loss on players being missing? We have 300 plus million. We can make 30 national teams. Yeah, well, we can make 30 national teams, but the 30 national teams, like I just finished saying, are all pretty much going to be at the same level, which is which is quite cool. You know, we have yeah. countless players of this level that were on the Olympic qualifying squad. So that's kind of cool. But stop thinking that these players are so much better than what we've had in the past. That's exactly. that's another issue. Yeah. So SIQ Academy dropped in the comments. What was the main soccer issue with the team in these four games? I don't know how much of the games you watched, okay. Gary, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. What let's was talk the main about issue? main soccer issues. Sure. Let's talk soccer issue. Um, this particular team. Um, uh, first and foremost, there's no creativity. We talked about this in other episodes. Yep. Zero creativity from the middle of the field. Um, zero creativity or, or serious danger from the wings. Okay, the wingers couldn't couldn't cause havoc. Couldn't take their people one v one and just you know uh, unbalance the opponent. Yeah. Uh, very little to no uh, attacking threat from the outside backs. Um, or the wing backs or whatever it is that you want to call them. Um, it just wasn't there. You know, there were rarely, you know, two V one scenarios or good overloads built up on the wing play. Um, I don't know. I think those are all the main issues. And honestly, um, the keeper, David Ochoa, who, who had, you know, was at fault for that second goal. He's the brightest spot on this entire he had team. A strong tournament. He did extraordinarily well and again this goes to another data point that we have a problem with our fan base where it's like they you know he makes a mistake and all of a sudden you're pointing at that and you're blaming that um for us not qualifying and you're completely missing the bigger picture yeah that's tough because he really did have a really strong tournament up until that point so that that's very tough gary what what needs to happen now i mean where do we go from here so that we don't make these same mistakes and and not have this be a wasted uh, lesson you know because when we lose we have to learn otherwise it's it's a big time failure no matter what this was a failure how can we turn this into a positive if at all it's the million dollar question nick um i mean people don't like my answer but it's the fucking answer stop listening to dumb analysis, okay? If anybody is blaming the coach, if anybody is blaming the players, if anybody is blaming uh, insignificant things like, oh, you know, some MLS teams should have released the players, those are the wrong people to be listening to, yeah. okay? Because you're not digging. You are not digging. You're doing the same thing that you've always done. So what do we need to do? We need to look at our entire system again. You know, we have a institutional problem. We have a system-wide problem. And don't blame the Federation. Yes, on paper, the Federation is the one responsible for the national teams. They're the ones responsible for th that entire operation. But they are not acting independently, okay? They are very much under the thumb 
of our domestic league, MLS, and we desperately, desperately need a federation, a U.S. soccer that is independent and then can make its own decisions without, uh, you know, compromising their pursuit of excellence. They will, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They want to be great. They want to win a World Cup. They want, they want excellence, but they will not pursue it if it compromises the system that we have in our country. Okay. And that right there is the issue. And it's a big one at that. I know it's been an emotional roller coaster for lots of U.S. soccer fans uh, in the past 24 hours. I hope you guys have had a chance to think about, you know, how important a stage this is for us. And uh, Gary, before we leave these guys, I want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts on this. Um, but what what do we have to look forward to from from the men's national team group? Um, you know, is is there something that we need to see happen in the next couple months? Uh, the next couple years that can change the narrative because right now it doesn't feel like a good place. It doesn't feel like a good place for the national team. Yeah. Well, I mean, the narrative hasn't changed. It's it's the narrative. If you look around, the narrative is still the future is bright. Everything is okay. Uh, It's just the Olympics. Like, yeah, yeah, it's important. I wish we would have qualified, but Listen, ultimately, this doesn't change that we're on the right track, that our player pool is so incredibly deep, that we have these amazing players uh, in Europe. So they're still looking, you know, that is the narrative that exists out there. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. It's just ah, shit happens in soccer. And, you know, we lost Honduras and didn't qualify. Shit happens, you know, but everything's everything's still okay. It's all good. You know, let's keep going. I think they said it. So that is the narrative. Yeah, they said in the post-match analysis uh, after the game, the trajectory is still good. The trajectory is still good. We have a very deep player pool, like you just said. Things are still looking up for us. So to hear that after you know the travesty that we witnessed is tough. It's tough as an American here's, fan. Here's another thing, Nick. Here's another thing, Nick. For those who want to say, I wish we had this player or that player and it would have made a difference, Like the collective matters. So we could have brought, say, a Josh Sargent right? And put him as the center forward. And chances are that Josh Sargent would have looked like shit also throughout this qualifying process. Okay. Because you're only as good as the players that are around you. You're only as good as the system and the tactical setup, you know, and the training that's around you. And if all of that stuff is not good enough, I don't care who you bring in and plug into a position. Chances are they're going to look like crap as well. And then what? What's what's the story then? Are we all of a sudden going to say, "Oh, I guess Josh Sargent's not as good as we thought"? You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, listen, even the greatest of all time in Messi, there there's that debate. He plays for Barcelona. He looks like the greatest of all time, right? And then he goes to Argentina, which has superstar phenoms also. But he doesn't look the same as he does as playing with true. Barcelona. Very right? true. He looks, he looks a shadow of himself, which is still he's still fantastic, still doing great. But it's not the same Messi. Okay, so we have to. I, I don't understand why we don't get this. Okay, you can bring Christian Pulisic and put him on this team. Is he going to look like Christian Pulisic? The answer is no. Okay, the answer is no, and you can also see that 
when we played against Canada, I think we lost 2-0 the last time we played Canada, the senior team, and Polisic was there. And I think Polisic was substituted off in the 60th, 70th minute. My recollection is kind of fuzzy, but here my recollection is on point, which Christian didn't not didn't look like the world beater American best American player out there. He looked completely pedestrian. Okay. He didn't look the same as he looks on Chelsea, right? Or even back back when he was at Dortmund. So who you have around you matters. What the tactical setup, what the training looks like matters. Stop telling me that if we had this player or that player on the team, things would have been different. Well said, Gary. Final thoughts. Anything you want to get off your chest? I know it's been an emotional uh, 24 hours. Let them have it. I, I, I wish we could hook up a blood pressure monitor to, to our little <laughs> podcast here and have a live feed of my blood pressure as I'm talking about this. It's going up. Um, no, listen. It, people, I, I just don't want um, to be misunderstood. Uh, I have nothing against the players ever. Yeah. And I've said that so many times. Yeah. Not zero. These are professional athletes. They've reached a level that has far that far exceeds my level not just in the sport obviously but in life in general i mean how many human beings become professional athletes at and represent their country it's yeah. such a small proportion of us so i have nothing but respect for every single player even if i critique them even if i say this player's shocking and should never be representing our country shouldn't even be a pro it's still there's still massive respect there. That's number one. Um, in many respects, same thing with the coaching staff. Um, it's just that we have to have these sorts of conversations. We if if we actually care, okay. And why can't we have these conversations? Is is my question. Um, why does it always have to be sugar coated? Why do we always have to hedge what we say? Why do we always have to be on in the good graces of of uh, the federation MLS and that that whole um, that whole group? You know, why can't we uh, criticize things uh, at the foundational level? You know, because I'll always get arguments. Oh, Gary, I criticize MLS like people who actually work for the league or or, or are in the, that sort of bubble. But they actually don't. They criticize things like, oh, you know, the salary cap should be raised or, oh, you know, we should have different sort of rules in MLS to do things better. So that's what they think as critique. I'm talking about we need a critique at the core. Let's get to the core of the matter. And they don't dare touch that. And they don't dare talk to people who do touch the core. Right? So you can't even talk to me. You just want to talk some amongst your, you just want to talk amongst yourselves. Scrat quid pro quo amongst yourselves. MLSsoccer.com reporter scratches another MLSsoccer.com reporter. If somebody wants to break into the business, you know, as they say, well, be nice to the MLSsoccer.com reporters, you know, or be nice to the league. It's the only way that you're going to have some sort of access. So you can't critique anything. You have to be very careful with what you say. You can't name any names, you know. So why can't we have real conversations? I think we have our next Instagram live topic right there, Gary. That's the million dollar question. I appreciate your input, Gary. As always, uh, it's been fun. We'll see you again on Friday at 10 a.m.
Beautiful. Later, Nick. Thanks. We'll see you, Gary.